0: Welcome to Fabulous Fool's Tarot Podcast. I'm Karen at Grail Seekers Quest.
1: This is V with Mystical Millennials. This
0: episode we decided to call the Fabulous Fool's Library. And yes. it's basically what's currently in circulation on our bookshelves, including digital and audio bookshelves.
1: Yes. And because so you guys know I love my audiobooks. Yeah. And so we're
0: we are gonna stick to the The format we usually do uh, with pulling cards for each other and for you and with our tarot tips, which will be sort of a bookie tarot tips. All books. Yeah, and we're going to end with a spread and and the main part of our episode will be a little bit of a quicker run through with tarot cards of the books that we're currently reading.
1: So... We have three. And it's kind of a revisit of some of our older themes of books, too. So we're going to talk about Emma by Jane Austen. Um, Polaris Rising, not so much, but Aurora Blazing by Jesse Mihalik. And Aurora Blazing is the second in the uh, Consortium Trilogy, which Polaris Rising is a part of. We're rereading those because Jesse Mihalik's third installment of the trilogy has just come out, so we're getting prepared. And then finally, we're going to do the book that is sweeping the community red white and royal blue by Casey McQuiston.
0: And and then we will throw in some really quick book recommendations of what we're reading as well. So,
1: yes, because we definitely had a much longer list than this, and we had to we had like an hour and a half long meeting how we we're going to hone down what books we would talk about. <laughs> yeah, as much as we want to share every single one of those books, we only have a few hours in which to communicate with you all. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, so, let's go ahead and jump into our tarot poll for the episode. So, we're going to... What are we doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so our our focus for the card poll today, we're going to pull a card for each other, and then we're, we'll each pull a card for our listeners, and it will be what you should read next.
1: <laughs> yes. We're gonna, because we still... As many books as we have already read, we have so many more on the list, so... I am working with the Shadowscapes deck because I really couldn't decide and when I really can't decide I always go with old tried and true because I, I didn't want to bring Jane Austen back into this for mm-hmm. the tarot for the initial poll because we will definitely be pulling some cards for talking about Emma. What deck did you bring today Karen?
0: I'm gonna use the Bianco Nero tarot which is a pretty so new deck that I got and I love so it. So excited. <laughs> yeah. Yay. So. And I feel okay. like it sort of fits with our cool little Italian sidewalk cafe theme.
1: <laughs> I know. So. It's so adorable. The theme the theme music my my wonderful brother graciously wrote and mixed and did all of that really really quickly. So thank you Russell. We love you. I hope that you enjoy the coffee beans that I sent you. <laughs> he wouldn't let me pay him a fee because he's a sweetheart. Aww, I tried to. I swear, <laughs> he's an artist. He deserves it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, okay, so Karen, what you should read next? Here we go. Da da da. Nine of cups. Ooh. So definitely a romance. It was nice sappy really good like really sweet romance maybe maybe like if a nicholas sparks novel exists with a happy ending that sort of a thing (laughs) (laughs) but none of them do so i don't know how to help you there i apologize yeah Um, i mean most romances end with a happy ending but especially because the nine of cups is just like so much emotional fulfillment
0: and you know what that is? That's like a happy for now. It's like maybe their future is going to be awesome, but the book doesn't look quite that far. I feel like the ten of the cups. The ten of cups would be like the happily. You get the whole happily ever after story.
1: Yeah, I feel yeah. like the ten of cups. You would need to have like more of a family centered happy story. You know, it's like,
0: like like oh, three years later in the future. You know, kind of mm-hmm. she's preggers and they bought their house and blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's
1: yeah. That makes me think of 13 going on
0: 30. Oh, I haven't read that.
1: It's not a book. Oh, <laughs> it's a movie.
0: <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. I remember it's, the previews. It's a movie. Yeah. Jennifer Garner, right? Is that how yes. you say her name? and
1: Mark Ruffalo before he was the Hulk. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but something something really cute and very heartwarming. Pick, okay. some, pick something Pick something where the book jacket makes you go, aww.
0: <laughs> I can't even make any comments right now. <laughs>
1: Do you have something in mind?
0: No, I read... No. uh,
1: You read dirty novels.
0: I did. This is what (laughs) we'll get into with Red, White, Royal, Blue, because I told V that it didn't have a lot of sex.
1: She lied. (laughs) And it was
0: like, apparently a lot. (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm not approved by any means. Obviously, if you've read Polaris Rising, you know that I'm not approved. There's
0: not that much... (laughs) This is my problem. My context is all skewed.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, cuz like I used
0: to, I used to work as a, an editor for a couple LGBTQ romance publishers and Aww. making a like in-text comments for love scenes is really funny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. That's not where the penis goes.
0: Um
1: I can't even <laughs>
0: share I can't even share with you. It's like has the person writing this ever done that before? <laughs> because I don't think it. Anyway,
1: whatever. Right I, from experience. I need to,
0: Right. <laughs> right. Wow. I oh can't even God. I'm not even going to share. I can't No. It's if you, if you thought red white and royal blue was too much sex. I really can't share with you some of the comments I found myself making okay. in my edits. Okay. But,
1: but, but. You're getting it. You always do this. You get ahead of the episode. I'm sorry. I will Whoops. <laughs> I will let you. You're making me sound like a huge prude, of which I am not. You're not. You're not.
0: You're right, not. Pull- no, what? because that one romance book we did, and you used the word penis, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I don't know.
1: I. <laughs> That was the day Karen really came out of her
0: I Yeah, I'm like a mix of contradictions, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, every once in a while, my little Catholic is like, Stop
1: it! Stop right there!
0: <laughs> Abort!
1: <laughs> Hail Mary! I'm right? sorry! It's okay, Jesus, I still love
0: you. <laughs> okay. Oh Alright, would I'm you going kindly
1: out. pull me a card,
0: darling? <laughs> okay, I pull you a card. This one's been waiting for you. It just was like... <laughs> Oh my God! Knight of Pentacles. Wait, reverse Ooh. Knight of Pentacles. Oh so, no!
1: Does that mean a quick read or a slow read?
0: That that means maybe you never get off that night on the horse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh,
0: no, like I mean, God, what the heck kind of book would be a reverse well, Knight of Pentacles? Well, the Knight of Pentacles is like my super favorite I love card. Pentacles.
1: I feel like a Knight of Pentacles because he's traditionally slow moving. It might be a slow read, like something a little bit mm. heavier. But he's reversed, so I'm not sure.
0: That's almost like a do not finish
1: book. I know that's what I thought too.
0: If you should read it next, like what's a book that you would that you're like I'm not totally sure I'm going to read that, um, and then you read it, or is there a book that you set aside that you should go back to?
1: So I think I know what that's talking about because I got a book on Egypt mythology, Egyptian mythology that I really oh. want to read because I'm trying to do some of my ancestor work. And I think that <clears> is not a cover to cover book. I think that's kind of a pick up, put down, pick up, put down.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Okay,
1: cool. Well, that's okay.
0: Awesome. That makes sense. Cool news. Nice. Okay. Nice. Okay.
1: All right, All right people. So now we're, you we're guys looking to... for a book to read? If you don't read books, maybe it'll be the next Netflix, whatever you watch. <laughs> if you're not reading i don't know why you're here I, lo- I love you if you don't read but you should read it's fun
0: audiobook audiobook yeah, baby
1: right. oh here we go this one jumped oh king of pentacles he was here before last time i pulled out the shadowscape deck, it was the king of pentacles he and likes he, you he just well yes he does and i love him uh okay so king of pentacles this is very fantastical because there's, like, a dragon in here, and he's, like, literally growing out of a tree. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, mega yoga pose going on. He's, like, perfectly encircling a pentacle over his head with his horns. There's so much going on. I feel like a nice, fun fantasy novel would be really mm. good for everybody That's out there right awesome. Now. I can't make a suggestion. I apologize. Something with dragons in it. And not not Game of Thrones, though, because this is way too positive for that. I would say, especially with it being a king, a king of pentacles, you know, you want something that's really going to fulfill you and kind of... Maybe a, starting a series would be good. If you're really not sure what to read, I always feel like a series is good. Because then you, like, have yeah. lots of books ahead of you. It's like a good fantasy series. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you remember... It was called Aragon. Oh, that
0: dragony one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: Christopher Paolini. He was, like, Mm -hmm. 18 when he wrote these books. And they tried to make a movie of it with, like, John Mm -hmm. Malkovich and Jeremy Irons, and it flopped Mm. fantabulously. But I thought they were pretty good. And they're actually pretty thick, and there's four of them. They're very heavily based on Lord of the Rings. Very. I mean, obviously, the main character's name is Aragon. But it starts with an E.
0: Like, if you're looking for the book, look in the E's.
1: Yeah, Aragon, and it's it's kind of a kid series. It's like I would say it's like a young adult yeah. fantasy, but it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I liked them, but it's very yeah. fantasy, like true fantasy. That's cool. what I would recommend. All right,
0: I have ooh the seven of swords.
1: Oh my! I pulled
0: this for our last episode.
1: That same one.
0: Yeah, and I remember because I miscounted, like always, and thought it was the Five of Swords.
1: Oh, my God, that's right.
0: And you were like, no, that's a seven. (laughs) Ah. Okay, so everybody should read... Ooh. Ooh, I I think... uh, Well, I really want to say fantasy because... Fantasy or space opera, because that's what I like. But something that involves maybe... How do I want to say this? Some treachery or somebody running, doesn't know who they can trust, needs to survive, enemies to lovers.
1: I, or a I, true crime.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I feel like the Seven of Swords, it's one of my, I, It's sometimes a card I feel like is a little bit, it gets a bad rap, it's a little bit misunderstood. But, oh, I love that card. But, but that's where I would go. With that card, with that. That's kind yeah, of a thriller, but somebody has to be on the run because they're taking only what they can carry, which to me is the, the Seven of Swords. They have to make decisions about what they're going to take and what they're going to leave behind. So that's a little bit of that on the run sort of, sort of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. I can't think of any good books like that except for of course all the Jesse Mihalik books we're reading right now which kind of have that in them.
1: Ooh, I read one. It is called Infinity Plus 1. Mm. And it's it's a little Christian, but it's not super Christian. Like I did not find it overly Christian. It was really good. It's like it's like a different take on Bonnie and Clyde.
0: Mhm. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: Damn it! What's the name of the author? I read it. It's in my Audible library. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, I haven't read it yet. These books are on my to-be-read list. As you're looking for that, but the 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 Amazon series, what's now the Amazon series, used to be sci sci Sci-Fi Channel series, The Expanse. That is a series of several hardcore sciency sci-fi books, and that involves a lot of the. Elements that I mentioned for the Seven of Swords. And I, that's definitely on my to-read-very-soon list. If I could ever get myself to stop reading romance novels.
1: <laughs> Amy Harmon. And
0: Infinity what's the Plus One. Infinity Plus. Infinity, Infinity
1: plus-, plus One. Oh. That was a recommendation and given to me by... My mother in law Joanne, who is responsible for most of the wonderful things in my life, including her son. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Including, but not limited (laughs) to.
1: Yeah, no kidding. She's going to be, I interviewed her for our episode next episode. Yeah. Well, awesome. So those are our cards. Those are.
0: That was great. All right. So our tarot tip for this episode is book related and oops, i just broke something on my new desk um damn karen it's yeah good lord all right so we're going to talk about guidebooks and it's just a tip segment so it's not going to be super extensive but we thought we'd chat a little bit about what guidebooks that come along with decks especially tarot decks have to offer and what we have found with the guidebooks that we have
1: so I have to start with story you guys know how pissy I am about the tiny little white book that came in the Jane Austen tarot I was cleaning out a giant box of tarot cards from wonderful Joanne and inside was the guidebook for the Jane Austen Tarot and I was so excited.
0: How long have you been reading with this tarot without this guidebook?
1: (laughs) Uh like two or three months. long time. I had no idea it was in the box. I had no idea it was in the box um because I didn't go through the whole box I just knew that the Jane Austen Tarot was in there and I just pulled it out to read with and didn't bother uh Yeah. So I was really excited. Um, It was wonderful. And I was like, I think when I messaged you about it, Karen, I was like, Jane finally thinks I'm worthy. (laughs) It's wonderful because the guidebook actually talks about the scenes that are depicted in the cards, where they occur in the book, which is fabulous, even though, you know, as I'm making my way through the entire works of Jane Austen, I'm starting to pick up on that Mm -hmm. and just pick up on some of the symbolism in general
0: hmm
1: But it it's actually a really great guidebook. Um, really there's quotes from the books that the the scenes depicted in, what characters are included. It's really wonderful. I haven't really worked with it very much yet, but I'm very excited to. And once again, I feel like more connected to this deck than ever. Like just wonderful things keep happening with this deck. But most recently I've been working with the guidebook um for Terror of the Hidden Realm because What's really nice about this guidebook is that there's, like, a story that goes with each card. Like, a little, like, two or three paragraph narrative of what's happening in the card. That really, it pulls back. Because these these tarot cards are close-ups of the people's faces. Like, the artist is really good at showing facial expressions, which is incredible. It's a very emotional deck. Oh, well, I cry almost every single time. It just is surprising and lovely. But it's nice to get, like, pull back a little bit and kind of get the context around it. I mean, you have that same deck, Karen.
0: Yeah, I have that deck. Yeah, it's kind of an intense deck, so I really just read for myself with that one. But...
1: Yeah, I've only been reading for myself. I... I'm definitely not ready to share with other people with that deck is very a little intense. too real.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um, well,
0: yeah, I think and I think that kind of guidebook. so there are two kinds of things you might get with a tarot deck. If you get a Llewellyn deck, which is the publishing company, then you're gonna end up with a whole kit which includes a an actual book size guidebook that goes through every card mm-hmm. and has spreads and things like that. And if you get
1: also most indie deck indie decks, yeah. books too. Like both the Numinous Tarot and Forager's Daughter both came with yeah guide books. Really, yeah. Great.
0: And if you get some other company's decks, like Los is another big publisher, and they're
1: just dis- yeah, and they're
0: distributed. They're distributed by Llewellyn in the United States, but Lloscarabeo is known for just always packing a little white book inside the tuck box with its deck. You know, that's what we're talking about with guidebooks. I think that we had been talking when we are sort of doing the outline for this segment about, you know, even if you're somebody who's, you know, just super familiar with all the tarot cards. I mean, at least for me, which I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not like my Aunt Sharon or anything. Every guidebook has something to offer. And I like reading them because, A, they they really are sp- tailored to the art that they come with which and and I think sometimes I pick decks because of the you know every artist you know sort of has an opinion on a card like their art is their impression of that card and so looking at what that guidebook has to say about it I find gives me new insight even with the little white books sometimes you kind of find nice little surprises I often just don't read those. I mean, I have to admit, like I, I do, if I feel like taking the time, I don't mean to not read them. But, you know, I think the standard one that gets stuffed in a lot of the decks is, is some kind of really shortened version of A.E. Waits, uh, Key to the Tarot, or, you know, maybe something by Stuart Kaplan, who I think was like did a lot of writing for deck publishers And so it's pretty like standard stuff, but every once in a while you find these little gems, like with the Bianco Nero tarot, which I'm using in this episode, the little white book in there, uh, this is a U.S. games deck. The little white book was written by Arwen Lynch, who, if you know, she calls herself a professional joy seeker. She's really big in the tarot and card reading community. She has a, a really fun YouTube channel, but I mean, so who I never expected her to write that book. And with my Barbieri tarot. The Little White Book was written by Barbara Moore, who's one of the big names in guidebook writing for all the Llewellyn tarot decks that come out. And, and, and that little tiny book is really specific to the art in that deck. So anyway, you just never know what you're going to find. And I think we recommend reading guidebooks because they can just give you like a – like another layer, another perspective. Like, we've been talking about that in the last episode about when we're doing a reading for someone and they notice something in the card that strikes them and we mm-hmm. just get that different perspective that isn't ours.
1: I do find that the guidebook is most helpful for me when I'm reading just for myself and like taking notes and things because I, you know, and there's nothing wrong with reading the guidebook, pulling it out, like when you're reading for other people either. Like, we do it on here, but. I mean, I, I don't go to the markets with my guidebooks. I just rely on my yeah. intuition. Which is good. It's good practice, too. But, like, for instance, one of my favorite guidebook examples is the Moon card in the Sleeps yeah. deck. Um, is based on Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. And she has a whole set of verses From the play as part of the guidebook description, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. And I think there's another, I don't remember. I should have brought the guidebook in with me, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That was silly. Um, There's like another poem in there, I think by um, Cummings. But it's really lovely. I mean, and then even um, Stephanie Puyman-Law has published, I think she published two additional books larger books with like more about how she came to like her art process and how she came to select she did that with the major arcana
0: and I think that's what's what's really neat about the the guidebooks like there are definitely decks that I could just sit there with somebody and and just give them the standard like Rider Waite interpretation even if it's not the standard deck but I feel like I really don't like doing that when I read for other people and even for myself that I I really want to know like the whole approach and the tone and the narrative that the guidebook offers about that deck. Yeah. And and I and I just want to I really want to sort of immerse myself in that in order to really get what I can out of that reading with that particular deck. You know, and so if it's a deck that I'm not really I don't feel as comfortable with, like, I'll do it for myself and I'll read the guidebook. But that's why often when I read for others, I just fall back on the traditional Rider Waite deck because I, I know it so well and it seems like a much more neutral type of deck to me and I don't need to worry about am I missing something, you know, like I don't, I'm not as, I feel like I wouldn't be giving them the full effect of the reading if I was working with a deck that I just hadn't like totally absorbed yet with a guidebook and what they're trying to say or what they were trying to do with that art.
1: Yeah. I mean, I usually like when I got terror of the hidden realm, like I unwrapped the packaging and the first thing I did was like open the guidebook and started on page one mm-hmm. because I like to get the tone and I like to get, I like to understand, you know, I read the, the description of the author and the artist. Like I, I feel like it's easy to skip over those things and it's fine if you do, but I really like to see reset, you know, like, yeah, I know that the sun is going to be a happy card and the tower is going to be kind of a negative card, but like, where are we coming from?
0: I like the way you said reset too, because I feel like what happens a lot, at least with me... It's very easy, especially because I'm always in a hurry because I got kids and whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> whip out a card, think about it for two seconds, and then run off to do whatever it was I was going to do, and then maybe ponder it more later. But it's so easy to fall into your patterns of the way you think about a card. Uh-huh. And it's, I, you know, it's kind of reductionist. Like, what's the essential thing that this card means? And, and maybe you just kind of get stuck in that. And so guidebooks are also a nice way of jostling you out of your just your habits with a card, mm-hmm. too. I totally agree. So, yeah, I would say check out guidebooks. And the other thing I'll say is that some tarot decks come with a little white book, but they might actually, like your Jane Austen deck, they might actually have a full-size guidebook out there somewhere. Mm. And sometimes... If they're decks that were first published maybe like 20 years ago, they probably came out with a full-size guidebook at that time, and they don't anymore. Like, US Games loves to do that. Like, they'll they'll publish a deck with a guidebook in like 1985, and then they're still publishing the deck with a little white book, but it won't have a bigger guide, guidebook anymore. But you can still find those sometimes for relatively cheap, like on Amazon through third-party bookstores. I mean, you can find those things out there You know, just because you have a deck that comes with a little white book, it might have a bigger guidebook out there if you do a little search for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then you have books like the Wizard's Tarot that I have is, um, it came with a guidebook, but also there is a tarot and astrology companion book, like a totally separate book that goes way more into Mm -hmm. the astrology because that deck was designed with more of the astrological elements in mind. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really great because this whole thing is about sharing knowledge and kind of digging into... The layers and layers to each card. Exactly. So, I mean, it's surprising some of the things that you can discover with the guidebooks. So don't knock the guidebooks. Yeah. Trust your intuition, but sometimes the guidebooks have a lot to offer as well and you know
0: that's like a total hierophanty moment too like just submitting yourself to the knowledge rather than your own opinion about a card like just like i'm just gonna open my mind and see what's coming my way with the knowledge you know rather than inserting like our own preconceived preconceived notions about a card
1: yes i love it i love it you know i have more than one hierophant At, at least in the celtic dragon deck Nope, that's the hermit. I'm lying. (laughs) I'm thinking of the hermit with all of the books. (laughs) But that's, like, mostly, you know, how I'm feeling right now. I just want to be at home, surrounded by all my books. Word. Yeah. Okay, it's time to actually talk about the books now. Yay. (laughs) Which is really funny, because we're recording this part of the episode, like, four weeks after the part you guys just listened to. (laughs) 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 Woo! it's been it's been a month all right but it's
0: gonna sound like it's been five seconds or less (laughs) exactly
1: time traveling we're constantly time every time we do a book club i feel like we're time traveling (laughs) like that one book that we did that was about time traveling okay so first we're going to talk about emma which i couldn't help but talk about emma which i still haven't finished like five (laughs) weeks after i said i was gonna finish dude so this, the reason is because my copy of all my Jane Austen novels, my aunts, my beloved aunts, who I mentioned in the Pride and Prejudice episode, like my aunt and uncle are like Lizzie's aunt and uncle Gardner. Like I have literally gone on trips with them. They have, and they have no children. So, and it's just me and my brother that are their niece and nephew. Well, at least on my mom's side. So my aunt's Has been like instrumental in my love of reading and poetry. Like, she bought me Walt Whitman, which is what I wrote my thesis on. So, um, but she bought me for Christmas one year the entire works of Jane Austen. So, I have this enormous tome of all of Jane Austen's works. So, I felt like I didn't need my paperbacks anymore. So, I donated them. But I can't take this giant ass (laughs) thousand page. Hardcover book down to the pool with me to read. <laughs> I can't like. I always fall asleep with a book on my face, and I'm cautionary to that when I'm reading this giant book. So Emma has been very slow going. Oh my god. Um, that being said, it's a very entertaining novel. Pride and Prejudice. The way that Pride and Prejudice is hilarious. You like dial that up to eleven with Emma because every character in this cast of characters of Emma is just. A caricature like mm. Emma's father is worried about people she's like let me pour you a glass of wine but maybe just a little glass and maybe I should water it down for you <laughs> and he's like constantly worried about people's health and and everybody's just as fun everyone is the neighborhood kook in this story it's really fun on top of the fact that Emma is like the matchmaker of the town and like doesn't want to get married which is so controversial Oh, yeah. time. Yeah. But I really, really the number one reason I wanted to talk about Emma for our Fabulous Fools Tarot Library episode was because, obviously with the Jane Austen deck, there are many, 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 many cards that are related to Emma. In fact, let me just start with a major arcana, shall we? Mm-hmm. You ready for this, Karen? Yep. Empress, Wheel of Fortune, Temperance. And then this is a doozy. The Moon, The Sun, Judgment, and The World.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: All of those are Emma. So this deck creator obviously has a favorite Jane Austen novel. (laughs) I would have picked Pride and Prejudice for The World. But that, you know... I feel like that's the most universally loved. But well, also people have... Like literary critics say that Emma is like Jane Austen's best work. Mm. Which in terms of like it's almost like a mystery story and I kind of agree with that actually it's kind of it keeps you guessing and like Emma is so sure of herself the entire time but it turns out she's wrong like every which way you turn <laughs> she's just so wrong about things she's like oh Frank Churchill must love me no he's secretly engaged to somebody else Sorry, I'm sorry there are definitely hella spoilers because this book is like 150 years old I do apologize but I thought it was interesting in this deck that the Moon, Sun, Judgment, and World are all Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just that chronological... Yeah. ...sequence. And it's all... So, like, the Moon is Emma, like, looking into... It's almost like um, a Pen C from Harry Potter. <laughs> She's looking into the washbowl, mm, thoughtfully. Which is, I think, it's kind of an interesting view for the moon. Like, just, like, thinking about things in a different perspective and how troubled she is. Mm -hmm. And then the sun is her and Mr. Knightley walking in the garden. And judgment is everybody, like, getting married and, like, looking into the sky for some reason. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. (laughs) And then the world is Emma and Mr. Knightley getting married, which is actually very sweet
0: and the beginning of a new journey getting married is-
1: exactly yeah emma thought she emma said she would never get married and now she's getting married yeah. which is very nice na- also mr knightley is hell a lot older than her but they're still in love <laughs> oh he which is, is valid.
0: oh interesting yeah
1: he's like he's like i think they, she's like 21 and he's like 38 oh i know i mean no judgments but if I saw that on paper, I'd be like, "Wow!" He
0: still doesn't have to get a colonoscopy for seven more years.
1: Do they have colonoscopies? And Probably not. Seven, yeah, like 19th century England. I don't think colonoscopies were a thing. That's
0: my. That's like that's my like marker for when I'm old.
1: <laughs> when you're old, when you have to have your first colonoscopy. That's right. That's right. Do mammograms count for that too? Because I think like they're mandatory after surgery? Uh, well, they're
0: doing them a little. They were doing them later. So I. Aren't don't... they
1: like. Isn't it like 35 now?
0: Yeah, you get a baseline at 35. And then you start. Woo! And then at 40, you start getting them every year.
1: Yeah. My mom. My mom said that she and her friends, when you could still go out and do things, they would they would do, whenever they had to do their annual mammograms, they'd call them mammies and mimosas. <laughs> and they would go all go get their mammograms together from the mammogram mobile. Oh and gosh. then go get mimosas afterward. Oh
0: my gosh, that's amazing.
1: I know, that's like hella squad goals, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your mom is a goddess.
1: <laughs> she really freaking is. Yeah. My, my mother... my mother is also, like, my best friend. She's just, like, she's great. She's really awesome. And she's been, like, so supportive about all of this. She's very, like, still a church-going Christian. Like, pretty modern Christian. Like, she likes to go, because my brother plays music at a church. Yeah. And she likes to go to those services that are more modern. She's not, like, a hymn singing, you know. We we still get kind of dressed up for church, but it's not like she got a hat on or (laughs) anything like that. (laughs) Although we should bring hats back. I've been saying this for like a year. (laughs) Although the new accessories technically masks, right?
0: Oh yeah. And there are some I'm going
1: hella off track.
0: Oh that's okay. (laughs) That's all right. What were you saying? I was gonna say there are some really awesome looking masks these days. So Mm.
1: I just ordered one. Actually one of our most devoted podcast listeners, Jesse Marie says, makes masks. Yeah. Yes. And she's donating the proceeds to Black Lives Matter oh, right cool. now. And she's making these amazing masks. And I because I'm tired of wearing the dumb blue ones, I finally ordered some now that it's mandated in Hillsborough County where I live. Um but yeah, Jessie Mary says, Thank you for being a listener. Yes. Love you are. And her Instagram great. is really cool and too. Her Instagram is really cool. Also, she has the cutest cats.
0: <laughs> now her mask even do that nice comfy thing where they go up over the nose, that special little... Yes!
1: Oh, yeah. Optional nose wire for free. It's not even an additional charge. Actually she messaged me. She's very sweet because I posted a picture of me and Patrick. And she said, she knew I was getting one for Patrick. She said, Do you want me to make a little extra room for Patrick's beard? Oh I was gosh, like, that's what? so I kn- <laughs> I know. Okay, that's Jesse, we love since you. Since
0: you mentioned that, I did not experience my husband's been doing the grocery shopping and then I went to Costco like a couple weekends ago and I guess it was the first time I'd been around really, really out in public. And I didn't know, like, I'd never seen a man with a full beard with a mask before, and I (gasps) had the opportunity to see several. (laughs) Ooh. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's a technical difficulty right
1: there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of getting in the way. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. Okay. I have one more thing to say about the Jane Austen Tarot and Emma. Um so there's other cards like there's a lot of quills cards which represent swords which again I think is adorable because the pen is mightier than the sword and they wrote with quills but one of my favorite cards in the entire deck is the seven of cups because I've told you the seven of cups has been my stocker card for forever well this is Emma drinking out of her teacup and then all the other cups are the heads of all the boys she's thinking about (laughs) which is so stupid but also like so teen magazine and fun oh yeah oh yeah she's also featured because there's this big scene where she's painting a portrait of her friend um the three of pentacles or three of coins features her painting and then emma specifically herself also is the um the maiden of quills or the page of swords which i think is valid i think it's valid
0: so she doesn't no. want to get married, but she's entertaining thoughts of all of these men. Is that...
1: The opening of the novel, her governess that she's been with her since she was like four years old, she uh-huh. matches her to this bachelor, or widower, uh-huh. rather. Um, that's how the novel opens, and she's kind of cocky about it, and Mr. Knightley, who's been the family friend for years because his brother married Emma's sister... He is always calling her out on it. They're an adorable couple, to be honest with yeah. you. Because he's always calling her out on her shit. And she's always like, yeah, you know you're right. <laughs> but she fights him on it.
0: Uh, oh, that sounds like a fun book. I should read
1: that. It's it's really fun. And I'm really excited because the, the movie just came out right at the onset of COVID. So it basically went direct oh. to streaming. And oh. I've been waiting. And Bill Nye, who... Has played so many things. He was in, um what's that movie that everybody loves? It's set at Christmas time. Love Actually. I oh
0: I haven't seen that.
1: I yeah I don't get that movie. I'm probably going. I'm gonna get attacked for that. I I don't really get Love Actually. <laughs> but Bill Nighy is the the washed up rock star in Love Actually. But also is Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies.
0: Oh yeah okay.
1: Which is what not, I know him for. Yeah,
0: not Bill Nye the science
1: guy. Not That's, Bill Nye the science guy. Like, the first Bill time you was talking about
0: him, I was like, Bill Nye the
1: science guy? I know, I, meant, I mentioned that. <laughs> I mentioned that in front of like... Oh, it was our it was our book our non podcasty book club, right? And right. they were all like, "Bill Nye plays this guy." They right. didn't even know what. I was the only one. I was like,
0: Thanks.
1: "You weren't." Everybody <laughs> freaked out, and I'm like, "No, Bill Nye," <laughs> which I don't. I'm not probably saying his name right. Anyway, also, the girl who plays Emma is the girl from the movie The Witch, which is this great horror movie that came out. I think it was like 20s. Oof. 2016, I want to say. Oh, it's a really good horror movie. It's very subtle. It's very subtle. It's set mm. in um, it's set in New England when everybody still used they and thou, and it oh. actually features a lot of Game of Thrones uh, actors. Oh, huh. but the main girl from that movie plays Emma. So anyway, that's that's my comments on Emma. Yeah. Also, fun fact to Temperance Card, which is Emma. I had no idea because I hadn't read Emma in so long. I had to look it up, and that was part of my frustration with the deck. The Temperance card was the first card I pulled from this deck. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had... Well, no, after the full... It was the full I pulled first, but it was Temperance the next day. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, okay, I have to read Emma next. So that's what made me decide.
0: Oh, that's a good way to choose your next reading.
1: I still want to make my way through the entire collection of Jane Austen because I've really only read Sense and Sensibility... Pride and Prejudice, and Emma, and I have the entire collection. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, also, I learned, because I went on this weird crazy deep dive, because there's there's um, one tiny line about slavery in Emma, and I was like, wait, what did Jane Austen think about slavery? And I went on this, like, 17 tab, 5 hour internet dive to, and I learned a lot of cool things, which I won't mention here, but um, I, I did find out that Jane Austen's last novel that she did not finish, called Sandition, featured a black uh, West Indies heiress, and the uh, masterpiece, who also made Downton Abbey, they made it into an eight-part miniseries that is available to stream on Amazon.
0: Cool. Which oh, sounds really great,
1: and I really want to watch. <laughs>
0: yeah, I just told my husband he could cancel Amazon Prime, but maybe I should...
1: I think and you still be- have to rent it.
0: Yeah, oh, okay. Don't get
1: ca- I mean, I know Amazon is... Everybody has their... Uh, t- huh. I can't help but use Amazon Prime. I also really like watching Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. We... I, we got sucked into Amazon Prime. I don't even know why. And then we were gonna cancel it. And I guess we just never did. <laughs> we we're too busy enjoying the the Amazon Television that we got. On yes,
1: that, like, box. <laughs> dude, it's it's legit. The Amazon Prime TV is really yeah. good. But also, like some of the movies that are available for free is, I mean, yeah. And then if you buy the Amazon Prime TV, you get the free shipping. So it's like, well, I kind of have to. Ooh, yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's a weird, it's a weird vice because also the Amazon, there's a lot of messed up shit with the Amazon corporation anyway. Okay. Yeah. So before we move on to the next book, we're going to draw a card, um, and for, um, just on theme of the book. And I thought a good theme for Emma would be humility because she's wrong all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she takes it actually with relative good grace, which is, I find rare in a character actually. Yeah. She takes it, she takes it in a way where she, she kind of like in a a very human way where she's like, well, I was right, but maybe I was wrong too, you know, in a way that you would honestly debate it in your own head. Yeah. So I'm going to pull a card and Karen, you switch decks from the Bianco Nero using Barbieri Tarot.
0: Yep, the Barbieri Tarot. Oh, so good. It's a fantasy deck because I was all like into my Witcher element today.
1: (laughs) Oh, Yeah, I was thinking about that today.
0: There needs to be a Witcher Tarot deck.
1: I've been thinking about that, and that's a totally different conversation. Okay. I've been thinking about that (laughs) very hard, okay? Which is another pun. Okay, I'm going to draw a card. (laughs) Uh, Ooh, Nine of Candlesticks, which is Nine of Wands. Ooh. Ooh, and the Lady... This one's from Lady Susan, actually, I know, because I went through the entire deck today to see which card was from which. So this is from Lady Susan, but this is a woman who is slipping a note under a door, and that's the Nine of Wands, which is... Hmm, that's odd. I guess I would say in terms of humility... Well, okay, yeah, in terms of humility, actually, it's hard sometimes to admit that you're wrong, and sometimes if you have to do it by, like, Writing a weird text message, sending a weird DM, sending a weird <laughs> email, like being like, well, these are all the reasons that I felt justified, but also I was very wrong and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes you have to do that guilt. This, this woman has a very guilty look on her face. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes you have to do that in a weird, like, cause it's hard to be told you're wrong. I had it happen to me earlier this week, actually, but yeah. You have to take it with grace and sometimes if you just, you know, write everything down and send it and then open up the conversation later, that's okay.
0: How does Emma take being told she's wrong from her, you know, the person who becomes her ultimate love interest?
1: They fuck with each other constantly. It's really funny. That's like part of the reason the novel is so fun is because they're always getting, they're always picking at each other, you know? Yeah. That's the way my mother would say it. They're always picking at each other.
0: You know, that that was kind of a thing in
1: Pride and Prejudice. So. Yeah, it, it, it totally... Well, I think that's kind of Jane Austen's style. Like, I feel yeah. like in Sense and Sensibility, that's not very present. But definitely in Pride and Prejudice, Lizzie and Darcy are always picking at each other. But Knightley and Emma, they've known each other for, like, ten years at least. And yeah. so they have that old friend sort of familiarity where they can really, like dig at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ultimately because Emma trusts him so much and she loves him so much, I think that it, it it's something that really helps her grow.
0: hmm Well, I pulled a reversed page of swords. So I Whoa.
1: Sword. Oh my god, that's Emma's card in the Jane Austen deck.
0: Oh, yeah. That's oh, so gosh. funny. <laughs> and this page is kind of looking back over her shoulder like she's watching her back. Mm. And so and so the Barbieri Tarot is kind of it's dark high fantasy is how I would describe it. And so every card has this almost it's like, some of them are just, like, a little bit cynical in tone. That's not even the right word for it. But it's sort of like whatever would be the shadow side normally of a tarot card or, or the reversal interpretation. That's kind of the vibe of the card itself in this mm-hmm. deck. So it's not, like, a grotesque deck, but it's, like... Uh, but it's got a little bit of a darker element to it. And it's fantasy, so. Mm-hmm. But this page is sort of looking over her back. So I feel like with, with humility, you know, a page of swords is sometimes about um, opening up your perspective or embracing new ideas and things like that. Since this person is looking over their back, like they almost don't trust what's coming. Mm. That I almost feel like... The there's a very,
1: there's a defensive posture with the humility there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's like saying because this card is reversed, then maybe you should just drop your guard a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and open yourself up to the input you're getting from others and things like that. So maybe that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that, that kind of humility, the intellectual like Stop humility.
1: being defensive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, really stop being defensive. Hmm, cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to move on to our our favorite author, probably, as a podcast, mm-hmm. I would yeah. say, is Jessie Mihalik.
0: Yeah, Jessie Mihalik. And we refer you back to our episode on the first book in her trilogy.
1: Polaris was, Rising.
0: Yeah. Uh, which we did probably several months ago now.
1: <laughs> oh golly, I think it was in 2019 still pre COVID. Mm-hmm. BC before COVID.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't even remember that time.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, so her, yep.
0: So, so her second book uh, is in the trilogy is Aurora Blazing, and she just very recently at the end of May also released the third book in the trilogy which is Chaos Reigning.
1: Oof, so good. That was great. It was very good. Yeah, as so. a trilogy, I was very satisfied with the ending. It ended kind of quick. Let's talk about it real quick. She, it ended kind of quick. Yeah. We haven't actually well, she talked had, about it.
0: She had, a lot, <laughs> she had a lot going on. Do you, Okay, did you ever watch the show Firefly? It, sort of. <laughs> it's old and it got i know i know
1: that it's old i couldn't get into it
0: (laughs) it doesn't feel old to me because i'm older than firefly but um but anyway like the with firefly it's this universe you got your cute little doggy visiting us for the podcast
1: no that's patrick sneezing (laughs) oh
0: what oh sorry
1: no, he sneezes <laughs> like a freaking atomic bomb. I just oh. thought it was
0: like because it's in another room <gasps> oh and
1: your door is shut. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> hold on a second. Oh my god. Hold on, I gotta make sure he's not done. Baby, are I'm you sorry, okay? Baby. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm just sneezing. Okay. <laughs> Karen thought it was the dog. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, wow. Poor Patrick. He's fine. He's always sneezed that way. Sometimes it'll be really quiet and he'll sneeze and it scares the shit out of me. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So
0: so like at least in Firefly, like there's something going on beneath the surface. Like there's what's going on in everybody's lives and stuff like that. But I think Mm -hmm. I agree with you that like at the end of Chaos Reigning, she is tying together so many loose ends.
1: Yeah, it needed another book to me.
0: Well, and so and actually maybe now's the time I should mention this. I I watched her I joined in a live chat that she did to promote the third book coming out recently. And she talked about how she wants to return to that universe because the three books are about three sisters. Each yes. one is a sister, Future is a yes. sister. And there are three other siblings. And so she said that she would be interested in writing other books for the other siblings, but her publisher only contracts things in trilogies. Yeah. And so she said that what she'll have to do on write them in the future is she have to basically publish them independently. And she's already that's
1: three though, that's a trilogy. I
0: know, right? Uh, Well, what did she also say? I read something that she wrote a while ago, and she said the other reason, sometimes with publishers, people, like, you get fewer readers for each book in a series. And so three... I get that. I get that. Yeah, and so, but she said, since she's very, I mean, it's great, she got another contract to write another trilogy that's in a new universe. So she has to satisfy that contract before she can come back to this universe and write. Is she
1: going to finish like Samara? Also, she's
0: also working on that. Uh, And so she said, but she said now that she is under contract again, she has to balance.
1: No, I I get it. You got to make that bread, (laughs) Jesse.
0: Yeah. So we're we're like dying for the last. It's yeah, because there's one more book in the. Rogue Queen trilogy
1: too so so good oh my gosh all right but let's talk about Aurora blazing right, so this is Ada's Ada's sister Bianca Bianca
0: and love interest Ian the head of security
1: yeah who is who is a little bit he seems to me like he's a little bit slimmer in terms of the men that have uh mm-hmm. been the love interest in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. You see, so I I pictured him kind of as like, like Daniel Craig, but with a prettier face. Mm, and, yeah. and, and, and taller maybe. and <laughs> taller and without the ears. Like Daniel Craig is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but he's got some ears on him. He's a great, he's a dude. Did you see Knives Out? No. You would love this. Okay. It's like an Agatha Christie style murder mystery movie. Ooh. And Daniel Craig plays this detective who has this, like, fucking Louisiana accent. Wait a minute. It's so good. no,
0: I didn't see that. I saw... It is... It's
1: free on Amazon Prime. Okay. It's (laughs)
0: Knives Out writing this down right now. Knives (laughs) Out. It's
1: so good. Anyway. Wow. We're in so many tantrums.
0: He played a Southern character in Logan Lucky. He had, oh God, yeah, he I still southern, haven't watched
1: that. You told me about that like three months ago. He had a ago. Southern
0: accent in that movie.
1: Mm. He Matt dude, you got dude, you would love Knives Out. Okay. I swear you and your husband need to watch that okay. next date night. It's I swear you will love it. It's like one of the best movies I've seen this year. Oh, cool. Anyway. Okay. I will do that. Anyway, so I picture Bianca's love interest. I picture her like a vi- like a even more petite Audrey Hepburn. Like a short yes. Audrey Hepburn. She has... Like, that's how I picture her.
0: Yeah, she's, you know, I try not to spoil it, but she's basically sort of tortured by her dead husband, and so it's... a. Afe- that's not a
1: spoiler. She reveals that pretty early yeah, on. Yeah,
0: she's been affected. She's got,
1: she's got, like, a brain implant from her dead husband Experience. where she can encrypt data, and that gives her these crazy migraines, so she's, like super underweight yeah
0: she she lost weight and so Ian notices they've sort of it's you know they sort of had a thing for each other before and but they
1: both rejected each other because they did that stupid thing where they're like oh you're a bratty princess oh well fuck you you're head of security (laughs) (laughs) and
0: anyway so she comes back visibly changed and I thought I read it twice because I read it the mm-hmm. th- I read it the first time and then the second time I wanted to read it because I didn't remember it as well when the third book came out. And they bicker a lot and I, and I
1: they do. And
0: I, I, they- I don't want to say I got frustrated because I really feel like Jesse Mahalik can do no wrong. And, it, and they came full circle. Like, as much as the fight, as much as they were bickering, I think it just le- it just showed how much they really misunderstood each other and how much they were willing mm-hmm. to meet each other halfway later on.
1: They, so, I will say this. There is way less sex in this one than there oh, is yeah. in Polaris Rising. Yeah. And I think it's because, but what I like about that... Yeah is that there's way more character development because right. there's less sex. Like, Ada and Locke meet each other, and they're complete strangers. But Bianca and Ian have this history right, right, right. that you, like, get little bits and pieces of. Yeah. Like, in, Like, mm-hmm. Bianca doesn't tell the full story of what happened to her until, like, three quarters of the way through the book. Right. Yeah. Which... I like that. That's what Jesse Mahalik is really good at is like teasing a little bit as you go along. And you
0: definitely get the sense that the bickering is because they care so much, but they, it's like, there's this divide they can't cross. And what, Mm -hmm. and what I actually, when I was reading it the second time around, I realized that when they were sort of competing with each other, like she wants to go solve this case on her own and he wants to protect her and keep her from doing that. And I actually could see both sides of the argument. So he would, yeah, he would totally. get really frustrated with her and she would get really frustrated with him. But it was very – I think Mihalik did a nice job of really putting you in that character's shoes and making it a legitimate concern that each of them had. And so it was easy to see how they could never agree. But they did – you know. but then they were thrown into circumstances that, that forced them to work together – and so I, I thought that was actually really nicely
1: done. She does a really good job of, like, painting a picture. Even if some of the characters that are a little bit more one-dimensional, like uh-huh. Ifa, for instance, who is in both book two and three.
0: Yeah, she's like a secondary Aoife, character. Yeah.
1: Right. But you kind of always know what Ifa's thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, she does a really good job of, conveying yeah, like everybody is pretty transparent at least to the reader and that may be because the von hassenberg sister did i say that right von Uh, uh hassenberg yeah okay (laughs) it's such a it's such a weird name anyway the von hassenberg sisters like they've trained their entire lives to be really intuitive about people because they're in this catty consortium
0: universe
1: pretty much yeah so I feel like they're always picking up on these like subtle yep. facial cues, body language cues, oh, emotional right. cues,
0: yeah,
1: which is really nice for the reader because right. every character you come across has, has interesting. And in the yeah, well, but in the third book, she kind of turns that on its head with one of the characters who is Cat's best friend. But she's from a rival house, so you don't know if she's can be trusted or not.
0: Right, and Kat trusts her,
1: but that that definitely
0: yeah. threw me for a loop because it
1: totally threw me for a loop. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Okay, we're bleeding into the sec the the third book. Well, because we were originally when we originally planned this episode out, you guys, we were only going to talk about Aurora Blazing because we hadn't read Chaos Reigning yet. Mm -hmm. And then Karen, because she's Karen, (laughs) read the book within like two days. I
0: didn't do anything. And I had I
1: had to get the damn audiobooks of the other Consortium trilogy books just to try and, and get caught back up. Yeah. No, it was interesting though because I I listened to Aurora Blazing the second time instead of read, reading it. Oh. And I think I understand. I'll talk about this when we get to our next book too, but sex scenes on Audible do not translate very well <laughs> at all. They're fucking terrible. Oh,
0: that's awful.
1: And that's not the fault of the narrator at all. It's just because it's like a woman reading both the part of a man and a woman while they're trying to have passionate sex. It's just like, Can I put it in here now? (laughs) (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, Jesse Mahalik is actually really good about, like, consent in her novels. Yeah. They're big like time. the men are all very respectful. So nice. Um, so nice. The, they're very nice. It is interesting cuz like sometimes you're just like, yeah, take me. Oh damn. <laughs> 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 that was not the voice. <laughs> wow.
0: No, I I appreciate that. Uh, I mean like Yeah, but, I like, do. I amazing. really
1: do. It's nice.
0: It's you know, it's a far cry from you know these slight. You know that I think that's where the term bodice ripper comes from. These these romance novels of like the '70s and '80s and '90s that were like a like the sex scenes were like a little bit rapey. And so, you know the the modern day sex scene, at least for Jesse Mehalik, is like no. This is like exactly these male characters like as soon as there's any indication that the female character is not comfortable it's like game over we're done here and I Mm -hmm. and I just really like that
1: it's because like in a fantasy yes you want rough sex you want like rough you want screaming you want you know you want all of that stuff and you want to read about that when you're reading a sex scene but in reality that's not always what you want and it's definitely not what you want when it's not with a you know a a part even a partner may come to you a familiar partner may come to you and it's like if they're being too rough but you don't want that yeah I think we've like glorified this weird rough sex thing and I don't mean to trigger anybody when I'm talking about this I just think it's important (laughs) to highlight
0: yeah what was it in the first book because I I'm thinking about Ada
1: and yeah Locke was very respectful of ada because they were very they had a lot of sexual tension but ada was very much like don't touch me and he's like okay
0: yeah i mean that's it was like she just put boundaries up right away and he totally respected like him. i
1: think there was there was one scene like the first time they had sex they go into the bedroom and he's like he looks at her he closes the door and he says i'm gonna be honest with you if you're in this bedroom we're gonna fuck And if you don't want that, you need to leave right now, which is like, okay, like that's a good, I don't know. It's just, it's just nice because consent is such a a contentious thing right
0: now. I, I think with that character, I mean, she did it with the other characters too in the other books, but I think like you said, that issue came up more in the first book. And it did. And
1: well, because they were straight, they were perfect strangers. Bianca yeah. and Ian know each other. Yeah.
0: And they were in a lot of sort of close quarters all the time, uh, Ada mm-hmm. and Locke in the first book. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that like every incident where there was a situation where there could be sort of lack of clarity on boundaries, like Ada puts one up and Locke in fact, I think Locke actually is is she makes a point of showing that he's respecting those boundaries even before he knows what they are all the time. like yep. it just it's you know, his character is really outstanding in my mind for that and in, in all of the books, like all the romance novels I've read.
1: back to novel content, though, <laughs> now that we're done <laughs> it is it is important though. like it's important. It, there's just like so much shit in the world right now, and it's just important to have a consenting and loving partner no matter how long that person is your partner her
0: romance novels in general like the ones that we've read are just so 21st century compared to a lot of novels like like there's the like taking care with the consent there's the diversity of human beings that you see there's really you know really strong women in really authentic and genuine ways And so not Mm -hmm. just in, you know, stupid ways like, oh, I'm just going to spend five pages here showing how emotionally strong this female character is so that I can say she's a strong character. Like, it's very authentic in these stories. I mean, it's like from the roots up. And so. I agree. Yeah. So she really, I think that's one reason I like, I like her book so much. And the men, you know, and the men are. Like not intimidated by that, they are. Yeah, you know that it's not an issue for them at all.
1: Well, Cat's partner Alex in the third book is super supportive. Like yeah. she's trying to prove she's the youngest, and we were talking about this off pod that she's she's like the embodiment of the hanged man mm-hmm. card. Which just to bring it back to the tarot, because I know <laughs> you are here for the tarot. <laughs> but she cat cat von hasenberg is the embodiment of the hangs man because everybody sees her as the baby and she just likes to shop and have fun mm-hmm. and la 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 like she's best friends with a, a rival house daughter like she's she's nothing she's an airhead but in reality she's got great training she's super strong and she she's she's a, she's spy a
0: mastermind
1: She's a fucking born leader, and, like, this guy, Alex, who I pictured, by the way, I couldn't help but picture as A-Rod the entire time. <laughs> like a, like a more Dorito-shaped A-Rod.
0: He's, Do you know he's that? muscular.
1: Yeah, like, like, he's like wide at the shoulders and, like, skinny at the hips. Mm-hmm. Dorito-shaped. <laughs> That's a joke from Captain America. That's so funny.
0: <laughs> but he yeah he's anyway super supportive yeah no
1: he's super supportive of her like she's like i don't know if i can do this and he's like duh well, it's so it's so sweet
0: and he and, and i don't know like what his economic background is but jesse may like uses his character as an opportunity to really present her with this view of what life for other people are like, because she has such a privileged, super wealthy life, mm-hmm. and but she does it really nicely. You know, you see, you just see this kind of economic and social diversity that you don't normally get in. You know, and and there's like mm-hmm. this real sensitivity to that. It's a great book. <laughs> I think you know, Cat has everybody fooled.
1: Yeah, Cat's yeah. got everybody fooled. It's she's the Haines man. She's well, not only that she's got everybody fooled, but like. She changes their perspective on her. You know, everybody sees her one way and then she proves just by being her authentic self that things can actually be a different way.
0: Because she, she crafts her image intentionally so that people don't take her seriously, so that they'll drop their guard with her and things like that. That's really cool to have a character sort of manipulating their
1: own image in that way. That's devious, but in a good way yeah and Bianca we said because of all the things she overcomes because she's hot she has these constant like migraines and nausea because of her Mm -hmm. her genetic modification mm -hmm. we said she was strength
0: she's super determined so she's very
1: strong oh man she's like the mission that she's on in the novel she like straight up won't quit she she gets foiled constantly and like Quitting is just not an option for her. That's
0: Aurora Blazing, the second book.
1: It's yeah. really cool. Sorry, we've been like bouncing around <laughs> between the two. It's hard to separate them because they're just... just both. All so yeah. fantastic. Just... Read all yeah. three of them. <laughs> if you haven't already read Polaris Rising, read all three of them, then go read... Get, go listen to the Polaris Rising episode, then come back and listen to this episode. Well, it's too late. We've spoiled it. Well, them. I don't know it. if
0: I can... I, oh, well. I don't know if I said this with the last... Uh, when we did Polaris Rising, but... They're written from first person, and I know you like first person. I don't see first person books a lot, and a lot of times the way it's done, I don't like it, but this first Mm. person, like the way Jesse Mihalik writes in first person, it's like I don't even notice I'm not that character. It's like it's so seamless and smooth, Mm -hmm. and and it's the perfect choice for the way she tells her story. So I it's really
1: well yeah. done. I, I agree. I agree. And I feel like all the girls the all three of the girls they have like a von Hasenberg yeah. voice, like a sister voice. Like you know, they get they have this voice where they were all brought up the same. But they each also have their individual yeah. voice. It's it's good. Like it's it's familiar enough that it can be identified as the same series of books, but it's different enough to where you're still interested.
0: And you pretty much do have to read them in order. You can't just pick up...
1: You definitely have to read them in order. You
0: can't just start with
1: two. I I think the tension heightens. By the time you open up on the third book, you have a totally different... You have to read them in order. Because there's events that happen in the first couple of books where you would just be like, what? (laughs) All
0: right, we're doing some cards. Okay,
1: so... For this novel, for, well, for Aurora Blazing, at least, we decided we were going to... Bianca represents strength because she's just constantly overcoming every Mm -hmm. single obstacle. She turns her genetic weakness into a strength. Like, she's able to decode all these messages. Like, her family's constantly commenting on, how did she do that? I don't understand how she was able to find Mm -hmm. this information. And because she has this... She decided to use her powers, which were intended for mm-hmm. evil, for good. And we're going to draw a card for turning a weakness into yeah. a strength. Yeah. I'm switching back to the Shadowscapes cool. deck. My sweet, beaten up Shadowscapes <laughs> deck. <laughs> I'm like shuffling the cards. I can see like chips on the sides of the cards. There's oh, yeah, lipstick right. on everything. Henna. Yep. That's your trusty. Okay, I got one. Okay. Ooh, the Hermit. Oh. Wow, which is, like, so a theme for right now.
0: Well, that's, like, Bianca, like, she's so isolated in some ways because of the uh, adaptation that she has.
1: Yeah, she totally is. She totally is. But I think in terms of, like, how we all can use our weakness into strength because we are all cooped Mm up right now. Yeah. And everybody talked about at the beginning of COVID how you can use this time to learn that skill that you wanted and la 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 and like one thousand percent it is still valid to be too emotionally distraught because it's a pandemic, especially because we're feeling the second shock of the first wave. Mm-hmm. Like where I'm at in Florida. Yeah. There's the cases are like going cuckoo kachoo, and it's it's kinda of scary. Yeah. But whoo uh I think that being alone during this time, while it may seem a weakness, it's a good opportunity to get to know yourself all over again. Mm -hmm. Which I've been having a... I will have a real moment right here and say that that's a hard thing for me to say because getting to know myself is sometimes hard because I have... I'm, I'm loud and... Uh, I can be a lot of fun, but the loudness also translates to when I get angry and sad and I tend to lash Mm -hmm. out. And that's something that recently I've been trying to identify in myself because I have a lot more emotional outbursts since I've been at home. Yeah. Because I don't have as many things to distract me. Mm -hmm. And my husband has been incredibly patient with me. Woo, it's getting too depressing. (laughs) But I just... It's just... It's something that's very important for me to work through with myself because at the end of the day, I only have myself. Yeah, my husband is going to be with me. Karen, you're going (laughs) to be with me. (laughs) My dog's going to be with me. My family will still love me. But at the end of the day, when I have a quiet moment, I only have myself. Mm -hmm. So I have to still work through shit like that. So I think and I think that's how we can become stronger people is like even facing the really shitty parts of ourselves, which is hard. And it's hard work and nobody wants to do it. I definitely don't want to admit in front of you all like I just did that I'm kind of an angry person and I have outbursts. But uh, I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't judge me. (laughs) I still produce fun podcasts. (laughs) I've
0: literally never seen you angry.
1: (laughs) That's because we only podcast together. (laughs) Anyway, what did you draw? For turning our weaknesses in the Here we go.
0: Reverse three of wands. So
1: whoa, I'm going to
0: put it upright so you can see. But she still has a sword. I mean, this is a lot of a lot of people running around with swords in this deck, <laughs> and she's
1: standing. Wow, it's very '90s art looking. That one. She
0: stand. She's standing in a circle of rocks, or the, or like these little, like these stones that sort of form a like a flat space in the middle it looks like my walk my walk and there's this red light coming up from it but it's three of it's Mm -hmm. three of wands it she does have that pose of you know she's standing in a straight line she's not trying to move forward and she's looking out and trying maybe just like the three of wands but you see her face instead of her back trying to decide you know she's maybe she's taking a step because you have all this red energy coming up from the base but
1: there's determination.
0: Yeah. What's going to happen next.
1: So there's like, she's like charging the fire.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's reversed. And so we're talking about how to turn a weakness into a strength. And I feel like with the reversed three of wands, I don't know. I, I feel like I get the sense with the reverse three of wands. It's, it's sort of like evaluating, like, before you continue on with this journey just assess first i mean mm-hmm. and i feel like that's kind of bianca is a is a critical thinker right and so her whole mission like everything she undertakes she does she has thought about the ramifications the dangers Mm -hmm. and she really thought through like she went through this like whole like this great mental effort to decide how she was going to let this implant uh like how she was going to deal with it and how she was going to turn it into something good because she does like rescue work that is related to it and stuff so Uh, So maybe that's more like a swords type of energy, but, but the wands are sort of like your purpose, your passion, doing things. And, Mm. and so I feel like, you know, the reverse three, like going through that thought process, that assessment, that evaluation, and you know, that accompanies purposeful action, I guess, because that's what I I, I think she does that in the book. So I just had one final thought on the reverse three of wands card and it kind of ties back to the first book. Actually, the, that idea of purposeful action, like pausing before you take that action, you know, because mm. that's like the reversal. Um, I was thinking a little bit about, about what you said with, well, I was putting some things together and one of the things was that how you mentioned that scene in. In the first book with Ada and yeah. Luck, and the sex scene where he, they actually have some conversation. He
1: gives her, he literally straight up asks for consent. Yeah. And it's,
0: and it's basically the scene where like, like he says, you know, if you stay, then we're going to have sex. And it's, that's, that's the, not the
1: line. And you know I it. know
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but what I found really interesting about that scene is that, because I had mentioned the the old school bodice rippers where, like, consent, mm-hmm. it, like, this idea of consent is, like, not there. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's just, it's, like I said, like, they, they really, it's very, uh, what's the word that I'm looking Spur for?
1: Spur of the moment. It's, it's, well, no, it's wrapped up in the passion. Well, no,
0: what it, no, in those old romance novels, it was like not totally consensual Uh, Uh, by our standards today. Like, well, by anybody's standards, I'm not trying to like minimize it, but, but what's interesting is that there would be scenes like that. Like the one that you mentioned where, but it's like Jesse Mahalik is taking that old trope and flipping it because in some of these older romance novels, you'd have the guy sort of, like, basically placing the responsibility on the woman for his lack of self-control. Like, yeah. oh, I just can't control myself. You're going to have to leave. See, you can't control
1: myself. You shouldn't dress. You shouldn't right. put yourself in that tight mini skirt. Right. Come on,
0: but Jesse Mihalik, in that scene that you brought up, it's actually flipping that around because they're actually like the context is they're having a conversation about boundaries and clarity. And, Mm. and so I feel like she has that little piece of that scene because it's like, it's that trope that's there, but she's converting it into the conversation that should happen. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. Anyway, so that was my reverse three of wands, like tying back to the, the first book in this series. Well. <laughs> so, well, so we decided to actually do a part two to our library episode because we, yeah. we had always planned to do the biggest segment on Red, White, and Royal Blue. But once again, we got ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we've ended up, because we love Jesse Mihalik and Jane Austen.
1: And our timeline got all screwed. <laughs> so we ended up having an extra novel. So really, you're getting four novels for the price of three, which is... Still nothing. Yeah, the podcast will always be free. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we are we're gonna stop here on as part one of our library book discussion, and we're gonna pick up in a part two where we focus on red, white, royal, blue, and also just talk very briefly about other books that we're currently reading.
1: Yes, and we have a very exciting announcement next episode too. Yeah, I'm so I'm so excited, and we're still.
0: Do, uh, v is still doing the Bunchies Homebrew.
1: Hell yeah. yeah! Guess what? So I am. Uh, I have helped to raise how much? Wait, I'm trying to think. It's 170. dollars Holy mackerel! As of this, yes, I know. I'm really excited about that, and I've done that like the tarot reading. I'm having so much fun because a lot of people are like, I've had two 10 card readings. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for donating. It has been a pleasure to do these really big spreads. I'm sorry that they're taking so long. I get very overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, my God, a 10-card spread. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well,
0: and if I could... Oh, go ahead. It's really fun. Well, I was going to
1: say... I'm just saying it's super fun. Well,
0: and I think, too, like, a 10-card spread is really awesome. I mean, if you've never gotten a tarot reading before... It's an opportunity to really dig deep or to look at, mm-hmm. you know, patterns. I mean, you you get you do so much more with a 10-card spread that you're really getting a lot of value for that donation that's already going to a good cause. And you totally. can just go, uh, you can go deeper, you can make bigger picture connections
1: with, I, I mean, there's just... I did one 10-card spread was like astrologically themed. Cool. So it was like... A bunch of planets, which is really fun. That's really cool. So if you want that one specifically, let me know. When you're DMing me about the Bunchies readings, any reading really, like, I'm I am here for y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been it's been a lot of fun. I despite me being like woefully behind on them. <laughs> you're not that but it's not like that behind. I mean, it's Nah. <laughs> i I try to be a punctual person, and it's really well. Hard and you because like yeah, COVID you, still got me like dragging. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're working, and but you know you're also Oof, communicating yeah. with everybody. I mean, like I see you on your Instagram story communicating really clearly and regularly about like where you're at with the readings and stuff. So, so people are gonna know.
1: Yeah, bunchies. Um, I actually have to work on Instagram. Rejected my promotion for that because. It, it has to do with alcohol and I can't promote that for 18 year old kids oh, which okay. I didn't even realize Right. Yeah. so I have to create a new post to actually promote it so that way I can change the age group I want to be able to raise the money but anyway the Bunchies promo is still going on every $5 you donate to Bunchies that's my price for a tarot reading you know $15 card reading gets you 3 cards yeah. um, and then if you share it to your stories um and send me a screenshot of that. Tag bunchies, but just screenshot it to me. I'll add an Oracle card to the reading, however much you donate. The response has been amazing. I'm super thankful. It's awesome to be able to help facilitate that. It feels good to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's still going. Yep. It is yeah, still going. And we
0: will see or we will we will podcast out to everyone.
1: In, a week.
0: In another week, yeah, we have yeah Over two weeks. Mm-hmm.
1: We're we're doing it another week. Yeah, that's it. So we'll be talking about red, white, and royal. Karen, I, every <laughs> single time at the end of the episode, I blah blah it's blah. Too
0: many R's and W's. Say it. say What is R's the name d- of the damn book? Red, white, and royal blue. But I just to slow it down and think about it.
1: Thank you, beautiful, every... articulate woman.
0: I can't mystical even remember millennial. her
1: Instagram.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're with Mystical Millennial. <laughs> and I'm Karen at God knows what.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Karen, is, if you find Seeders. me and the Fabulous Fools Tarot Podcast, you'll right. find Karen somewhere. Right, I'll be there. <laughs> Karen's around. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in one week. <laughs> Woohoo. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs>